Thank you for joining Bevel Talk, Season 1, Episode 5. Pipe welding in the field can be challenging. Today, we're talking about how safety pays on the job site. Let's get right into it. Welcome to Bevel Talk, the podcast where we discuss the everyday challenges of welding pipe in the field. Today, Jim and I are joined by Justin and Chris from Kiwit once again. Thank you guys for joining us. Today, we want to talk about safety. Not everybody's favorite topic sometimes, but one of the most important topics we're going to talk about is job site safety. So, Justin and Chris, as you guys know, these job sites, these big projects we're talking about, can span hundreds of acres, have hundreds of people, dozens and dozens of pieces of equipment. How do you make a safety plan to keep people safe on these job sites? What, what does that entail? Talk to me about that. Yeah, it, it's not easy by, by any stretch. Um, there are so many moving parts, both metaphorically and, and literally, that uh, it's a, a lot to comprehend. I think it really just starts from from awareness and breaking down each individual project. Uh, it's really commonplace on uh, any sort of big contractor doing projects like this, that beginning of every day, um, you have the craft analyze whatever their task is for the day and highlight what are the potential risks. And they go by all sorts of different acronyms and names. But, you know, if you're a welder going out there and you're talking about, you know, uh, obviously sparks, hot, burning, flash burn, eye injuries, pinch points, things of that nature. But all that sort of day to day stuff really does roll up in that site wide safety plan of identifying all the different aspects of the work, what can go wrong. And, and there's aspects of that, too, where we, you know, provide guidance of, you know, thou shall not do something like this because we know that, hey, there's a high incidence for putting somebody in the line of fire or getting somebody hurt doing something a certain way that will outline how things and things can and can't be done. Uh, with welding brings another interesting aspect um, because there's some health side effects potentially to welding. Um, especially when you talk about higher chrome-bearing materials. We start looking at fume generation. Uh, so we have aspects of the safety plan that, that discuss um, protecting the long, not only the short-term health, that daily health of the welder, but also the long-term health of the welder, depending on, on what they may be exposed to. A lot of it's really just based on, on history. It's based on good industry practice. Obviously, there's some OSHA basics, uh, but anything we do goes, goes above and beyond those basics for sure. Absolutely. So who is responsible for safety on a job site? Everybody. <laughs> so I feel like you're trying to set me up with a chick question there. <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> it's not the safety person. It's, it's, it's everybody. You know, the, the, the safety department's there to help draft the safety plans um, to provide safety equipment as needed for the project, um, to help um, review work plans to provide guidance and things that maybe, you know, it's not so obvious what maybe some of the safety risks could be. Uh, but it really is every person's individual effort out there that, that makes a job safe. Uh, and, and unfortunately, some of that can come from experience, just being around enough projects to, to see that. So younger craft may not um, be as well versed, but that's why you always want to make sure you're pairing apprentices or younger craft with more experienced craft so that they can pick up that knowledge. And, and that's an important thing. I remember when I started being the young guy on the job site, it, it really didn't matter. They just said, get it done. There wasn't the same mindset for safety that there is now. It was, you get the job done, you, you have an inherently dangerous job and hopefully you don't get hurt. And I think, 
I think I've seen that change. Are you guys seeing that kind of mindset of, of the actual craft or the, the, the workers changing to, we want to be more safe. We want to have more accountability for each individual at the end of the day. Oh, definitely. And one of the more recent things we've done with the safety program, I mean, not super recent last five, six years, I guess now, but we have a, a group called craft voice and safety. So one of the big blind spots we recognized was if you have, you know, somebody who's risen up to the ranks, say as an electrician and now as a safety manager for a project, they might not be able to identify what a welder's risks are or vice versa. So having representative people from the different trades have a voice on within a safety group within a project can help bring visibility and awareness um, to things that otherwise would maybe uh, have been noticed or, or taken into account to make the job safer. So, yeah, you're, you're definitely seeing a more active participating role. It comes with greater knowledge and greater education on to what the risks are. Because uh, sometimes, again, they're, they're not always evident. Um, but that's definitely the, the trend we're seeing and where we're going. So you mentioned that, you know, safety is everybody's responsibility, but you have safety managers that, that come up with safety plans. How's that safety plan executed? I know, obviously, it's not an easy thing with, with new people coming onto the job almost daily, people exiting the job almost daily as, as roles are wrapped up and, and you get moving on to different parts of the build. But how are you ensuring that is executed? I think it starts with orientation. So you're, you're getting a fresh craft member or staff member, for that matter, um, to a project site. And you have to get them up to speed with what the expectations are, what the hazards are. Um, make sure everybody starts on the same page. Uh, you're going to be held accountable for your own safety, but these are the rules of the site. And, and we're here to help. Um, but, but please understand, you know, the game that we're playing and the rules of this game. Uh, once it goes to the field, it, the actual physical safety plan itself as written it probably more executed, honestly, by the direct field supervision from Q at the staff, um, just because they're familiar with the, the actual verbiage and terminology and private experience over multiple projects. Uh, but it's their job to disseminate that individual knowledge to the actual craft people. And again, a lot of that comes from that, that daily filling out some sort of observation card or whatever, highlighting what the risks are for that day. Um, a trend in the industry that that's seen pretty frequently is Injuries tend to occur when the plan changes. So anytime that you know, you're dogging something and saying, hey, nope, this isn't how we're going to do this, isn't working for a reason, we need to go to plan B or C and not stopping to re-identify the risks, that's usually uh, when exposure to, to injury goes up. So um, really trying to make it paramount, you know, frontline supervision from QIT stepping in and saying, nope, agree, we need to do it a different way, but let's stop before we, we go down that path, let's evaluate the, the new risks we might have because it might um, potentially open up a, a new you know, line of fire or, or some new risk category that wasn't accounted for. Well, I always think that it, you know, empowering your employees to, to take a step back and say, wait, is this safe or not? Is this actually going to cause harm or not? Is really actually a very good thing. I, I agree with you there. How, how do you guys measure safety? I mean, is it on lost time accidents? Is it... How are you guys measuring your safety and keeping track of your safety record? Um, similar to most other large contractors, you have recordable frequencies, hurt frequencies, um, and so, you know some of those bigger metrics are, are defined, I believe, by OSHA. So you can have some sort of an apples to apples comparison between contractors of how successful they are at keeping people safe. Um, we have some internal metrics too. We have a, a diamond event frequency, which is you know you could have two people get hurt, but one injury could have been 
on the precipice of being much more, much, much more severe than another one. So even though the person, those two people got hurt equally, some of these events we have to identify as, no, this could have been a much larger issue. Um, and then learning from that to make sure that that sort of scenario isn't set up again. So yeah, there's certain internal metrics trying to really drive at the heart of what's causing unsafe practices versus just, oh, we got, you know, whatever percentage people hurt, we need to do better. Um, because that's, that's a little bit kind of lip service versus an active. Don't walk. Weld. Every walk to the power source wastes time. Give welders the power to switch between TIG and stick processes at the weld joint with XMT350 Field Pro with Polarity Reversing System. See how at MillerWelds.com slash ArcReach. So do you think having a good safety record actually helps you attract and retain workers? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like back to um, a couple episodes back, you know, we talked about, you know, the things that are quantifiable is welding and safety records. You know, that helps us win contracts and can help us lose contracts if our safety record goes to the work. Um, and anyone that comes onto a project, they just assume they're going to go home and, and, and rightfully so. And that's our job as a, as a contractor is to make sure anybody that comes through our gate on our projects leave the same way, if not better than when they walked in. And that's, that's one of the things that our welders take pride in is, you know, one, the camaraderie within our company and our staff and our employees, but two, the, the safety, they, they know anything that Kiewit's doing, we've took the time to make sure it's the safest possible way to do it, or we just won't do it, period. I think welding, especially on job sites like this, is it's a unique thing where you have tradesmen and craftsmen coming in from, from all over or from different walks of life, but you spend you know, 10, 12, 15 hours a day working in proximity to each other, become pretty good friends pretty quickly. And it can really hurt morale when one of your brothers or one of your sisters gets, gets hurt on a job site. Um, you know, it's, it's like family anymore. So do you think safety is valued the same around the world or around the country? Or are there certain areas where safety isn't nearly the big issue that it, that it is in other places? Um, it's definitely not valued the same around the world. Um, across the United States, it seems to be pretty consistent. Where you see the delta in safety in the U.S. is is the size of the contractor. Obviously, a larger contractor has has deeper pockets. We can invest more in safety. But to Chris's point, you know, when we're winning work in, in the modern world, especially as an EPC contractor, it's not a who's the cheapest cost anymore. That sort of metric. Although, obviously, the people that want to overpay for the work they're getting, they're really looking at quality, safety, schedule, all this stuff combined. And you might not be the cheapest. You might not even be the second cheapest. But if you're going to deliver the best overall project performance, they'll pay for that. Exxon's, BP, Shell's, they don't want to have their name on the front page of the local newspaper that somebody got hurt on their project and have their name associated with it, even if they really had nothing to do with it. So that's a huge metric they look at. You know, I've, I've never really worked overseas, but, you know, I've been to China and I've seen projects there and it's a whole, yeah, you, you can just walk by a project and it's just a whole another world. It's it's pretty unfathomable what you see over there. I know, uh, Jim, you, you, you've seen quite a bit all over the world too, so you, by all means have some input there, but Canada, U.S., pretty similar work we do in Mexico. Um, we're actually getting a lot of really good feedback from some of our craft down there, you know, again, to your point that we're setting the bar much higher than a lot of other um, uh, Mexican contractors. So we're getting return people 
um, working with us because they're they're getting that there's actually valuing their safety versus just that the contractor's bottom line. Yeah, you're right, Justin. I've seen some glaring differences between U.S. contractors and their attention to safety versus a lot of the international countries. Um, you know, they just don't have that same awareness of the role that safety can play in that job. And, you know, when we talk about bringing these young kids into this workplace, safety is something that is first and foremost on my mind, because you're talking to these kids' parents saying, you know, bring your daughters and and your sons into this work area, and you can confidently say that it's going to be a, a relatively safe environment just because of the advancement in the awareness of safety I've seen in the last few years. So do you suppose that 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 perception of it being almost the wild, wild west where, you know, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys, don't let them grow up to be iron workers and pipeliners um, is part of the reason we struggle so much or we're struggling so much to get new faces into the trades? Part of my opinion on that is it's still viewed as very tough, hard, dirty work. And as, hey, I can go do something really difficult, backbreaking, or I can go another avenue that is presumably, you know, I'll call it easier. And uh, I think to your point a little bit, it's a bit of an old mentality that that's the case. Uh, By no means is welding an easy industry. Um, It's it's still hard work, um, but it's not this kind of grunt work. Um, it, it really is uh, technical and, and very high skilled and rewarding. So have you seen with the adoption or adaption of advanced processes in welding, uh, an increase of safety incidents or a decrease of safety incidences? Because with that, you're bringing sometimes new and different um, processes into the job site. I would say a decrease, and to be honest, I don't have any good data to back that up, but one of the reasons I say that is one of the best ways to drive safety down is to cut down man hours. The more work we have to perform, the greater the opportunity is there for something to happen. So if we're welding a lot faster, well, we're going to have the chance to expose welders or you know, just the opportunity to expose welders to, to less in, uh, injury possibilities. So doing the work faster in a smart manner, not in a rushing manner, but a smart manner, utilizing these technologies cuts down man hours in the field. And then as a result, usually has a direct impact in having a safer project. And to add on to that, another place we're actually seeing an interesting drive on this, especially in the OGC market, is when you start talking about removing purges. Asphyxiation death is a real thing in the welding industry when you start talking purging large pipes or vessels or things of that nature to be able to deposit a root pass or subsequent passes. If we can swap a process that gives the same biomechanical abilities meeting engineering, but we're cutting out that whole safety risk, uh, not to mention the cost associated with, with doing that. That's something that we're seeing um, a, a lot of uptick in, in interest in from our OGC clients. That's fantastic. Anything we can do to make the job site safer is something that we should all be focusing on and working towards. Thank you, Justin and Chris, for joining us today on Bevel Talk. Please join us next time as we talk about productivity. Productivity.